Hey, thank you so much, worship team. Can there be a more abrupt transition from that great song into a title side that says Killing Chicken Little? <clears throat> uh, so if you weren't expecting that, my apologies to you. Uh, uh, we'll explain that series in a minute. Uh, I want you to know what's upcoming briefly, and then we're going to roll into our final part of this series. Next Sunday, when several of us are riding to Orlando, uh, we have the privilege, and I honestly I wish I was could be in two places at one time. Um, Keith Rohr from Keystone Church, uh, senior pastor down there, will be speaking here at Grace Point next Sunday morning. And uh, he'll share some of his own history, some of his own personal story that weaves into the history of Paradise Mennonite Church, now Grace Point Church, and how this church had a part in his early beginnings. And so it's going to be interesting to hear from Keith next Sunday. I'm grateful for that friendship and partnership we can share just down the road uh, with him. Okay? Um, following that week, then Kevin will be up again um, speaking uh, as a standalone message. Following Kevin, I want you to know that we're starting a new series. Uh, I guess technically it'll be three weeks from now, but I just want you to know about it now. It's going to be um, a, a series on, essentially, on the book of Jonah, and we're calling it this. We're calling it "For God So Loved the Terrorist," because this book is a book about when God's love outpaces mine for the people that I might hate the most, with the Ninevites being a very terroristic people, God calling a prophet to go there. So what do I do when God so loved, not just the world, but when God so loved the terrorist? And how do I act when God's love and compassion outpaces mine? And this is a struggle of Jonah, so for seven weeks we're going to be hitting that beginning in three weeks. Okay? That's depressing, isn't it? All right, back to Killing Chicken Little. I don't know if that's any less depressing, but there you go. Um, by the way, uh, we are having a chicken barbecue right after church today. Uh, in case you're visiting, that is planned, that is intentional. It is the final nail in the coffin on Chicken Little in our lives. We want to enjoy eating that which we are trying to kill in our own lives. This series is based on that story, but it's deeper than that. You probably know the story of the acorn hitting the little chicken on the head. The chicken freaks out, thinks the sky is falling, gathers all the, the fowl around around her or him, whatever, goes, finds, tries to find the king to tell him the world is falling apart, the sky is falling, and the fox uh, detours them to his den, uh, and, and it's the end. Like, they get eaten, that's the end of the story. And we, we kind of want to say there's that little voice inside all of us when things fall on us and life happens to us, that we can make things bigger than they need to be, and that worry can kind of get in and over top of us and can just kind of ruin us. We want to kind of eliminate that before it eliminates us. This is not just because of that story that we're talking about this. It's deeper than that for us. And if you've been here for the last four weeks, you know what I'm going to say next. And that is that the, the reason we're in this is not because of Chicken Little story, but because of Jesus. And Jesus, in a story that is told in three of the Gospels, and that's important when it's repeated, he said that the, the Word of God or the, the Kingdom of God essentially is like the seed that is planted on the soil. And the seed that's dropped into some soil, it lands in thorns, and the thorns grow up and choke the life out of it. And later, Jesus explains to his disciples that seed in the thorns, you know what the thorns are? The thorns, Jesus explains, the thorns are the worries and anxieties of life. And he says, the worries and anxieties of life will choke out the seed and it will not mature. And so if Jesus says that worry and anxiety will choke you and choke me and keep us from growing, it's worth talking about how do I get over the thing that will keep me from growing? Because at Grace Point Church, we want to develop fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I'm in that boat with you. Like, I want to grow in that. And so we said at the beginning that faith and worry are competitors for our soul. That, that 
both in the same person in great measure almost never happens. Like you almost don't know anybody who is full of faith and full of worry at the same time. That doesn't happen because they compete for our soul. They don't get along. They're competitors. And so how do we deal with that? All right? And so this is what this series has been about. Now today, uh, today is the final message in the series. And I just want you to know today's series, um, today's message will be intensely uh, practical. Okay? Uh, now, that may feel different for us to some degree, but here's why I want to kind of preview it this way. Um, when, I, when I put messages together to try to help us understand what the Word of God is saying, because for me, and I think for those who've been around Grace Point for a little while, I think you know that the Word of God for me and for us as a church is the authority, right? Like, we don't come here to hear what I have to say. We come here to hear what does God's Word have to say. My hope is to kind of get out of the way of that and make that as clear as possible and leave you with God's Word as much as I can. Sure, it's through my personality, but I want to leave you and be driven by what the Word of God says as the authority, not not me. And so when I come to the text, right, when I come to what is in the Bible, I'm looking at that and saying, man, what is the author intending? What is he meaning? Like what, when God was working through that author, what is he trying to say? And this morning, the one verse that we're really zoning in on drives us deeply toward practicality. Like it drives us into doing something. Some messages require explanation and clarity around historical backgrounds and who was this king or who was that people and what was going on in the economic times and the cultural times and require some history and some background and some comparison of text to really understand it. This morning, it's just going to be straight up and simple. But the simplicity of it is also very difficult because the text drives me and I think drives us toward doing something. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but applying, as simple as that sounds, applying is very difficult to actually do. Like it is easy to sit and listen, either here this morning or later online if you're listening later. It's easy to sit and listen, but it's really hard to do something about it. In my world, and you've heard me use this before, like I'll go to the dentist maybe once a year if I'm doing well, and the dentist will say to me, how's your flossing going? Which I will say, it's not. Right? And then he will tell me, you should floss. And I will sit there and agree with him and think that's a smarter way to live than the way I'm living. Like, this is a good plan. And so then what will I do? Not floss. And I'll come back the next year and he'll be like, hey, how's the flossing going? And we're going to repeat the game over and over for year and year and year. And at some point when my teeth fall out, I will go back to the dentist and be like, I should have applied the wisdom that you gave to me. But it seemed too difficult because my daily rhythms didn't, I didn't want to change them. Like, it seems like too much to do that. Some of you who are flossers, you're looking at me with shame. That's okay. Like, I can take that, all right? But that's, that's where I'm at. There's other things that I know are good for me to do that I don't do, right? There's certain exercises that I should be doing just to strengthen myself that I don't do. And I know that. And I, but honestly, the reality is like, it doesn't feel like it fits. Like it would be wiser for me, because I have lower back issues, would it be wiser for me to work on developing my core of my body so it doesn't hurt my back as much? Yes. Should I do the sit-ups? Yes. Should I plank? Maybe. All right, whatever. Like, should I work on the core? Yes, it would be wise. Do I do those things? No. Would it be wise? And good? Yes. It's, good. it's not a matter of not knowing what to do. It's just that I don't do it. I just don't apply the things that I know. And so here's the problem, and I think you know this. When it comes to the Bible, 
Like we hear so many good things all the time, and truthfully, there's a lot of wisdom that we hear, and it just makes us smarter sinners. Like, well, now I know, and what's for lunch? (laughs) But there's a step between now I know and what's for lunch. It's now I know, what do I do, and what should I change? And then what's for lunch? And that piece this morning, I just want to push into and try to expedite for you because change happens often gradually over time. Like we get a slow drip feed of slowly beginning to change. This morning, when it comes to worry, what I want for you, I I want for you, I want to expedite this change for you. I want you to actually, maybe if you are a person who's never written anything down in church in your entire life, Maybe this morning you write something down, because I'm going to give you four questions here in a little bit that could actually help you begin to change behavior. And listen, if not for you, if not for you, here's my appeal. If not for you, please, please, please consider doing this so that you and I do not blow it for the people coming behind us. For the next generation of people who are going to be looking at you and already are, even if, listen, even if you're in junior high or high school or college or young adult and you are not even dating anybody, you don't even think of kids, I'm telling you there will come a time in your life when people will come behind you and look at you and model their life after you. And if you get this now, let me appeal to you, please, if not for you, for the people who come after you, that they can look at you and say, ah, that is a person full of faith, not full of worry. Let me appeal to that. All right. So, with all that being said, let me let me invite you, if you can, to turn in your Bible to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter four is our text where we've been in. We've been in chapter four, verses four to nine, and we're going to drop it into verse nine as we conclude our series. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. Not, not a problem for us. There should be a Bible around you somewhere. Uh, if you don't see a Bible in that pew, just grab your neighbors quickly. They'll be fine with that. Um, Philippians is a small letter written to the church in Philippi, an ancient city that Paul, a follower of Jesus, wrote. Paul wrote this, by the way, while he was in prison. Uh, so it's very interesting that he would write about anxiety and dealing with that while he's in prison. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting read in that regard. So Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9, and I'm just going to start at verse 9. Okay? So we're finishing our segment, and here he goes. He says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Very simple ending to this very simple section. Let's look at it again. He says, whatever you have learned, this is a pretty broad, bold appeal, anything that you've learned, or received, or heard, or seen. That covers about all the senses here. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's what he's saying. (laughs) Do it. Like, before you think about lunch, like, what I just wrote about, do these things. Like, add them to your habits. Like, create new patterns of living that will change how you live so that you can be different. Like the things that you've heard in me, and this would apply globally to all of what Paul has said, okay? But specifically, it's what he just wrote in verses 4 to 9, and 4 to 8. And so, 
Let's look at that again, because by way of summarization, it's very, very important to see what Paul has to say. And my hope for you is to give you a couple of questions, ways to think through periods of worry and anxiety that I hope will help you and help me actually change, not just be smarter, but actually change and apply. So let's look at that. Let's look back in our text at verse 4. And we cover these. If you were here with us, you cover this. If this is new, then you get the entire series in one message, and that's a you know, real benefit to you. All right, here we go. Verse 4, Paul writes there, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And we began when we looked at those two verses, and we said that at the beginning, right, the beginning of this worry cycle, the beginning of this anxiety, before I get into anxiety, my first thought should be about gratitude. And so let me encourage you with this first question. This is the first of four that I said, if you never write anything down in church, that's okay. But maybe consider doing this not even for you, but for the people who come behind you, okay? So the first question is this. When I'm dealing with anxiety, what should I be thankful for? Like before I start to go down hard, the worry train, go down hard on the anxiety, go down hard in that road, let me just ask the question first. What should I be thankful for? What should I be thankful for? Right? What is it that in all of what's going on that I can stop and say, I think Paul said something about rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, and this is a guy writing from prison, so he might have something to say about that. Let your gentleness be evident to all and a reminder that the Lord is near. First question. Second question, verse 6. Look at verse 6 again. He writes and he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So here's the second question. Number one, what should I be thankful for? But number two, what should I pray about in this situation? What should I pray about? And I encouraged you in this message in particular uh, three weeks ago now, or two weeks ago now, I said, listen, can you please, can I please, and I'm working on this too, but can we get into the habit of saying, let's introduce at least for one minute before I start worrying so much that I can no longer really function well, I'm not even nice to be around. Like before all that comes up on, on top of me and I go through the worry cycle, uh, one of the um, professors at Penn State said worry is a process looking for content. We're always trying to feed new content into this process. I worry about the election. I worry about the weather. I worry about my family. I worry about my future. I worry about the money. I worry about my faith. What else can I worry about? I'm always looking for content to fill in the process. Before we just let that process go hog wild, can we inject in that process at the beginning prayer? Can we just throw that in at the beginning? Let me pray for a minute. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, then he goes on to say in verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this third question coming off of verse 7 is this, what should I believe in? And this is a very important moment if you walk through the worry cycle with me. After I pray, all right, comes a crossroads in my life. Like, I've prayed about this, but now am I going to stay in that spirit of prayer or not? Or is it going to be like, all right, I prayed, the guy told me I should pray, I pray, but I'm opening my eyes, and nothing has changed, and now I can worry. Like, now I have license to worry because I checked that off and I prayed. Here comes after prayer, man, what do I need to believe? And we talked about this being a deep like conviction of the soul that God is sovereign. And this isn't a verse that makes God like a vending machine, like put in prayer, get back peace every time, prayer, peace, prayer, peace. It doesn't work that way. That's not how Paul intended it to be. But rather this deep conviction of the soul that God is in charge. Right? He is authoritative. He's got it. And I fight against that. We're going to flesh that out in a minute. I fight it. But what do I need to believe in? about God. 
All right? And particularly, we finished up at the last part of verse 7. We'll guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. We talked about this reality that if you're a person who has called herself a Christian, that Jesus came, that your salvation is based on Jesus coming, dying on the cross, and bringing us to peace with God. And so our salvation, by being reminded that we are saved if you believe in Jesus Christ, man, I have an opportunity to have peace with God. So I do, do I believe that? All right? Now, fourthly, Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so the fourth question is this, what should I think about? Right? What should I think about? What are the things in the middle of this thing that I need to think through? Uh, I need to think about that which is excellent or praiseworthy, that which brings me back to God, that which brings me not toward negativity and toward all the things that make me worry again, but what are the things that I need to discipline my mind to be put on? All right, now, what I want to do is, uh, these, are, these are categories. What I want to do is flesh these out a little bit for you. And this is where I said at the beginning, this may feel very practical because it is, but I want to flesh them out because I want this actually to work. I want you to see what this looks like in real life. So I don't want you to leave the dentist's office being like, yep, flossing is a good thing and I never do it, or yep, should work on the core and never do that. I also don't want you to think, yep, being faithful is a good thing, but I don't know how to do that. So let me take you through... Uh, a couple things here. Number one, I, uh, some of you know I have, a, uh, I have an awesome uh, 2003 VW Jetta, 174,000 miles on it. That thing is, is great. There's a, um, a crack in the windshield on the one side because when I was changing my windshield wipers a couple months ago, the, uh, the bar flapped down onto the windshield and started a small crack that's now bigger. I have a variety of problems with my Jetta that pop up every now and then. Most recently, I found out that my Jetta has... Um, uh, a disease of the light bulb, where randomly when I'm driving at night, the lights go out, like an eco-friendly, save some energy kind of thing, which is fine, I guess, but then I realize I can only drive with my brights, my brights on, not the low beams, which is fine for me, but kind of annoying for the people coming on me, so I'm like, well, I have to deal with this problem somewhere along the line. And then I have another problem with my Jetta, um, and I forget the name of the thing inside the engine, but it's in the engine, all right? That it, it randomly stutters, like, and I have to change something in there. I forget the name of it right now. I also, just this week, was driving Chuck somewhere, and the engine cut out while we were going up toward Red Robin on Route 30, which was kind of nice for me. It was, it was easy, but okay, we just lost power in the, in the vehicle. So here's the deal. Here's why I tell you about my Jetta. I have kind of a low-level worry Easy. This is, this is easy. This is a softball worry. All right? This is super easy. We're starting easy. I have a low-level worry about the amount of money my jet is costing me to maintain. But my options are somewhat limited. Now, what do I do? But I will tell you that our, we run on a budget. I think many of you know that. Our family does. Um, but my like, repairs budget has been blown like somewhere in February because of my Jetta. And so I'm working on what do I do. This is a real easy, low-level worry. But it still is there for me. Like, I begin to think, how much? Like, do I put in all the money to fix the lights? Like, do I put in all the money to fix my engine kind of cutting out? Do I put, you know, 174,000 miles, what do I do? Easy, easy. This is way easy worry. Way easy. In fact, hardly even worth calling a worry. But nonetheless, I'm just going to model it, Okay. What should I be thankful for? Chuck didn't die when my engine cut out. <clears throat> I guess that's to be thankful for. Um, I'm thankful that I even can have the conversation, right? Like I'm thankful, even if I can't think of anything else, I'm thankful that I still have life after driving my Jetta around for a little while. Like I, I, I can do that, right? Like I can step into, man, I can be thankful for this. What do I pray about, man? Honestly, 
Like, in truth, this does worry me sometimes about the amount of money I put on the Jetta. Like, God, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't know what's up, but I just want to pray. I need to ask for your help in worrying about this Jetta. I'm, I'm just going to put it before you like I'm anxious about this, okay? Now, what should I believe in? Like, what should I believe in? I'm not going to believe that God is going to somehow, like, touch the Jetta and everything's awesome, but I am going to believe that, God, in the scope of my life, like, I... I believe in Jesus Christ, therefore I'm saved. Like, that's what I believe biblically. So, God, in the context of that, like, help me keep this in perspective. I believe that you are not unaware of your children and the, even the silly struggles they have, like my silly car. Like, you are not a father who doesn't care. Like, I believe that mostly. I really want to believe that in this moment. Like, help me to believe again this. And now when my thoughts battle against the things that will cause me anxiety, like, now, I want to put my thoughts on the things that I believe in. Like, I don't want to put my thoughts on how much money it's cost me. Or whatever. I don't want to put my thoughts on, oh, if this happens, then what if the washing machine goes? And then, like, what if the dishwasher that's leaking? Now what are we going to do? That? And what if? And what about? And what? Uh, I don't want to put my thoughts there. I want to put my thoughts again on that which is most excellent of praise and say, God, like, help me to remember that I'm a child of yours. Like, help me to remember that I have the gift of life. Help me to remember that I've gotten anywhere safely. Like, help me to remember that. And now here we go, I'm going to deal with the problem. But God, in that, let me deal with this process. Like, how does this work for you now, play outside my Jetta? <clears throat> You're dealing with a, a relationship issue, right? I mean, you were talking about dating or marriage kind of situation. Like, you're wanting to date and you can't. You just got dumped, whatever it is, right? And what can I be thankful for? God, I'm thankful that I'm alive. I mean, real simple. Like, this is not a huge process, but it is a change of thought and a change of heart. God, I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm thankful that even though someone doesn't love me now like I want them to, you love me. Like, I'm thankful for that. What can I pray about, man? I can pray about that my identity continues to be rooted in Jesus Christ. Like, I need that, God, right now. I feel rejected. I feel pushed aside. I need that. I can pray about this right now. I'm anxious about this future. What should I believe in? I, I need to believe that I'm a child of yours. Right? I need to believe this, that you saved me and you've drawn me. You've called me. Like, help me to believe that and help me to put my thoughts, God, in the place where you would have them to be. Like, help me to put my thoughts in that which is most excellent or praiseworthy. Help me not to think critically about the person who just dumped me or rejected me or thinks ill of me or is maliciously slandering me on, on Twitter or Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Like, help me not to go there and continue the gossip cycle. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that kind of person. Help me to think about the things that a child of God should think about. Like, help me to put my mind and discipline me there. And now here I go. Now, these are relatively easy. Now, let me talk at a deeper level. What about things that are deeper? Like, you get a cancer diagnosis, right? Some of us have gotten those diagnoses. You're dealing with a loved one who is dying or is dying. You're dealing with a deeper marital issue, like just things are falling apart. Or maybe, honestly, maybe a big deal for you right now is like rent payment isn't working for you. you can't, you're not sure where you're going to live next month. What about this? I mean, really, really, like truly, okay? Like this has to work in the hardest of stuff, not just the easy stuff like my car or a dating relationship. This has to work in the big stuff. So, I mean, let's just play this game out. Like, what can I be thankful for? Hey, you just got back from the doctor and you hear you get cancer. Is your first question, what can I be thankful for? No. Should it be? I don't know that it should be. I mean, let's just be honest with that. Like, when, I, when we go through the, the deepest stuff, like, here, here's the deal. It is okay. It, it is fair to grieve the hard news and the hard stuff. Like, that is fair to do that. Worry, we said at the beginning, is undue concern. Not just concern, but undue concern. So worry is saying, I got the news that I've got cancer and now I'm concerned. You should be concerned. Like, that's okay to be concerned. God doesn't tell you you can't be concerned. 
The issue is when it's undue, when I'm unable even to begin to enter this cycle at some point. Like at some point, if I find myself days, weeks, months into this cycle of worry about whatever, and I can't even enter this, then I am unduly concerned. I'm worrying. If I can't enter at some point, not right away, like it is okay to grieve for a long time, like that's fine, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to process anger and all, that's fine. But at some point, somewhere along the line, I've got to say, if I want to be a person of faith and not worry, and I don't want to be like Jesus said where the seed is planted and the thorns grow up and kind of kill my life, I've got to be able to enter this cycle at some point down the line. What can I be thankful for, God? Right now I'm thankful for life. That's, that's it, God. I'm just thankful that I, th- I think you exist. Like, I'm just thankful for that. And I'm thankful, now check this one out, I'm thankful that even if I am to die, you've promised me life eternal. What can I pray about? You hardly even need to ask that question in the middle of crisis like that. This kind of prayer, by the way, in the middle of crisis like that, and deep hurt like that, are prayers of anger. That's okay. Prayers of disappointment and frustration. Prayers of concern. That's fair. These prayers don't need to be flowery and awesome. They need to be honest and real. Like, what do I need to pray? God, I don't get you at all. You're killing me. I don't understand it. I don't even think you're real. Like, I'm struggling deeply with this, but I want to come before you. Everything, rather than being anxious, I'm just going to bring it to you. What can I believe in? And this is the crossroads after the prayer. What can I believe in? Now, what am I going to do? What am I going to choose to believe? Has God in Christ Jesus offered salvation? Does your salvation hold you through this? Does your hope for the future hold you? What am I going to believe? Is the righteousness of God enough to hold you in this? Is His holiness, His sovereignty enough to hold you in this? What am I going to believe? That which is most excellent or praiseworthy. And then what am I going to think about? Am I going to keep my worry cycle going, oh, what if, and now what, and here we go, and this could, and this could, and this might, and who knows? Or am I going to discipline the mind to say, God, I need your help to put my mind on you. To put my mind on that, which is most excellent and praiseworthy. I'm telling you, this is hard. But I'm I'm also telling you that if we don't do this, if we don't do this, We're going to be people who, like Jesus, have the seed planted, and the thorns come up, and we're not going to grow. Here's a question I ask a lot. It's this question. What's at stake? Another way to ask this is, why does it matter? Like, what's at stake for you and for me in this, in this issue? Like, is this just an, another passing you know, urge that I have for you? Is this just another passing thing? Like, what, what really, truthfully, think about it for a minute, right? Like, what's at stake for you with how you handle worry and anxiety? And let me suggest to you, what's at stake, number one, is a relationship with God. If you take the things of life and you worry about them, here's what you're saying about God. Like, he can't be trusted. Number two, he becomes a distant God who doesn't relate to the things that you go through. As silly, maybe even as my Jetta problem, or as big as a cancer diagnosis. Like if God is not engaged, and you don't engage him in that, he becomes a distant figure that maybe sits in church only, and I relate to from a distance, but he is not close, he's not personal, he cannot be trusted. Certainly is not a God who can bring joy and life to you at all. What's at stake? Your relationship with God, number one. Number two, honestly, your relationship with yourself. 
Like if you say, I don't think I can trust God, and you take that worry and anxiety on you, you are bearing burdens that your soul is not meant to bear, and you cannot do that for the long run. I can bear the Jetta burden, sure, but you know it and I know it. I cannot bear the cancer burden. I cannot bear the death of a loved one burden on my own. Like I can't, I'm not equipped for that. Not for the long run, no way. I cannot bear the burden of eternity on my soul. And so when I take that and I say, God, I don't really want that. I'm going to worry on my own. I'm just essentially saying, man, I got this. And it's going to kill you, ultimately. It's going to wear you out. And what's at stake finally is what I began with. And what's at stake is the people behind you. (laughs) The people who are growing up, who are younger than you, who are looking at you, looking to you and looking to me to say, how do I live? Come on, how do I live in this life? And how do I do this thing? The worries and anxieties come, and they come, and they come. Like, I'm looking to you, right? The people younger than you are looking to you, saying, you're my model. Whether they verbalize it or not, you know it's true. They're looking at you. They're saying, how do I do this? And what's at stake is the faith of the next generation. To see people like you and people like me handling this well and honestly. It was, I think, in 2013, Forbes magazine ran an article. They published a report of... um, Research done on Americans 45 years and old and older. They asked the question, what, um, what is the most important thing to pass on to the next generation? This is a, a magazine built on uh, you know, making money, establishing wealth, creating your portfolio, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the research showed, this is not even a Christian deal, right? This is just, this is just U.S. thing, right? The number one answer, 74% of the people responding said this, values to the next generation. Values and character to the next generation. Because we all know it's true, right? Like I could, I could give you $100 million, but if you have no value or character inside of you to handle that, you're going to blow your life up, right? But if you have great character and values and I give you $1, you're going to make an incredible life for yourself. Like we know this is true. And so let me, let me urge you if I can. Let me just plead with you, please. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. Because you already know it's true. You already know that you don't know anybody in your life who is full of faith and full of worry at the same time. And so the habits that you create now around worry shape your future, and not only yours, but the people coming behind you. And here Paul says, Whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice. Do it. And then he finishes with this great statement. Because here's the benefit of it all. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace, the very thing you want in the middle of anxiety, that God of peace, come on, he's going to be with you. Let me urge you, let me ask you, let me plead with you, please, 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 please. Try it. Put it into practice and see what happens. If not for you, for the people coming behind you. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the encouragement that it can be to us. I pray this morning that you would help us to be men and women, young men, young women, who can take this next step of practice and of doing and of acting on what we know we should do. There's a whole lot of good things that we know we should do we don't do. But in this case, Father, I pray that you would give us the courage 
especially in the middle of the things that we tend to worry about, the things that roll over in our mind a lot, the, wonder about the future, about the relationships, about the children, about the money, about our faith, etc., etc., our health, our housing. Give us the discipline of heart and mind to begin to develop the character, the values that are worth passing on to the next generation. To be people who recognize these worries and anxieties are indeed thorns that will tear apart our faith and keep us from growing and help us to take the words of Jesus to heart and to remember the promises in your word of your presence, your care, and your love for us. And so, Father, I pray that this little voice of Chicken Lil, when gets an acorn on the head, instead of running because the sky is falling, we stop. And we're first of all thankful. And then we're prayerful. And then we believe. And then we think right. Give us the courage to do what we know we need to do with what we have heard this morning. We thank you for the goodness and the peace that you can bring. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.